Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have joined us. UAW's strike against General Motors is in its second week, and there is not a lot of sign that the two parties are coming together around a new contract. So where do negotiations stand, and how does this strike compare to other auto worker strikes throughout history? Of course, we have a very rich history of labor actions here in southeast Michigan and the city of Detroit. That's where we want to start the conversation today. And of course, we want to hear from you. Do you support the UAW? unit strike against GM. Are you somebody who is on strike against GM? We would love to hear how things are going for you, what you expect out of these negotiations, and what you think uh, the union ought to procure in order to get people back to work. Uh, As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the into the conversation. Also call and give us a sense of what you think of labor and labor actions in 2019. It is not the 1960s or the 1970s. This is not the 1920s or 30s uh, when you saw labor movements sort of come together as a way to change the workplace. Uh, How effective are actions like strikes in the 21st century? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. And joining us now to talk more about this strike and about labor history here in Southeast Michigan is Merrick Masters. He is the director of Labor at Wayne at Wayne State University, where he is also a professor of business and an adjunct professor of political science. Merrick Masters, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you for having me, Stephen. It's good to hear your voice again yes. on live on the radio. And <laughs> I just need to make a, in the interest of full disclosure, I recently changed um, administrative positions after 11 years. Um, I thought it was appropriate to um, step for me to step down as director of labor at Wayne, and I'm now the interim chair of finance of the College of Bi- School of Business. Okay, okay. Uh, um, but I, I, my heart and soul still very much go to Labor Wing <laughs> and uh, the Doug Fraser Center. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate that correction. Let's start with where things stand with this strike. Is there any site is there any end in sight to this uh, Well, I think conflict? there is an end in sight. Um, strikes become, over time, increasingly painful to both sides, and that encourages them to make the kinds of hard decisions that need to be made to bring them together to a tentative agreement that can be ratified by the membership. So I think the good news is that they're talking, and I think based on the information that has been reported, Although the issues are difficult and challenging, they're certainly surmountable. And the more time the parties spend, uh, the less hyperbole there is, and there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot of that associated with uh, the strike at this time, the more likely they are to reach an agreement. So I think we need, as the viewing and interested and concerned public, and certainly I wish best wishes to both sides, uh, that we uh, be patient and allow the process to move forward. I would expect that 
sometime this week, it's likely that we'll see the makings of a um, tentative agreement that can be presented to the membership in the near future. So, so what does this say about uh, the strength of unions in 2019? I always kind of view strikes as uh, a particularly risky uh, uh, action to take because uh, you're fighting already for a contract, uh, for an agreement with an employer. But when you go on strike, you're also fighting to try to get back to work. It, it, it puts more pressure on the members. Uh, is this, is this uh, going to be seen as an effective uh, action against G- GM to get them to do more things that the union wants? Well, I think, you know, as is always um, the case in strikes, um, we'll have better vision with hindsight than we do with foresight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And strikes are always risky. You're absolutely right in that. And in recent decades, they've been particularly risky uh, in certain industries, including manufacturing. Um, In this case, you don't have the employer threatening to hire replacement workers which would escalate the tensions between the parties to a a much higher level. Um, But what does it say to your original point about the strength of labor? If we go back uh, to 1970, which seems like ancient history, um, when you had a strike at General Motors, um, a major strike in the auto industry, you had approximately one million workers um, who ended up being on strike as a result of this. Um, and that had a major dent on the national economy at that time, and labor was uh, about 25% of the workforce. Now it's um, less than 11% in the private sector. It's just barely about 6%. And in this strike, there are just about 50,000 people involved. So it is a, a, a sliver of impact that is potentially had in this strike compared to what you had 50 years ago. And that, I think, bespeaks the whole decline of labor and the difficulty that labor faces in trying to achieve its objectives through resort to economic weapons like strikes. Mm. Uh, At at the same time, I think there are some really uh, eye-popping details about the gaps here between what workers at GM are making and, say, what executives are making. Mary Barra, for instance, the the, the CEO of GM, uh, was paid $22 million last year. Can you put this strike in the context of the developing conversation about uh, the wealth gap in this country. Well, you know, I think that that backdrop, Steve, is exactly the the right way to look at it. We've known for a long time that the the ratio between executive pay and hourly worker pay is very high. And I did a back of the envelope calculation yesterday that, um, uh, you know, let's say it's about uh, twenty two million dollars that Mary Barra made in overall compensation compared to. that the average auto worker at GM makes. Um, That's still about, you know, a a 250 to 1 ratio, um, which is, you know, about where executive compensation is to worker compensation, and it's been a ratio that's been going up. Mm. As the typical worker's wages have stagnated, 
uh, are fallen in real dollar terms over the past 40, 45 years, while those at the top tier, the 1%, and she would certainly have to be included in the 1%, have seen their wages go up significantly. So that gap, the gap in, in, in income, I think underscores a more fundamental sense that this society is not a fair society anymore and that it's harder for those in the middle, the shrinking middle, to get ahead. It's always been tough for those at the lower end uh, to get ahead because they faced enormous obstacles, particularly when you inject racism and sexism um, into the equation. But um, uh, the middle class um, really has, I think, seen its position in society fundamentally changed and threatened. And I think it's that, uh, plus the growing schism between those at the very top and the very bottom and the struggling uh, circumstances of those in the middle, that is causing there to be a sharp division of opinion in this country. And I think that that, um, you know, when you look at it, that should lead to increased support for unions. Um, what I haven't seen to this point, although there, I think there is increased evidence of militancy on the part of some workers, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it translates into uh, growth for unions. Mm-hmm. Now, that's sort of the missing, um, uh, the missing uh, aspect of this whole discussion about the role of unions in the United States. My guest is Merrick Masters, the former director of labor at Wayne at Wayne State University. We are talking about the strike uh, that the UAW has called against General Motors. Now in its second week, uh, what will happen uh, as a result of that strike? Will we see a settlement soon between the automaker and the union? Also, what is the relationship between labor and employers in 2019? And do unions still have the kind of power to change the workplace, to change pay? and benefits uh, that they did uh, in decades past. Uh, We want to hear from you, especially if you are one of the striking GM workers. How is that going? And do you think the risk of walking out uh, is worth what you think will happen as a result? Uh, Will you get a better contract? Will your life improve as a result of this labor action? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Adrian in Detroit. Adrian, welcome to the show. Well, good morning. If I may preference my uh, comment by this, those people that are out striking, they don't want to strike. They just want what's due to them, hmm. and their families are suffering. My father uh, was one of the great migrations, came from the South. I remember him on strike as a young child. And us eating powdered eggs and and drinking powdered milk so that we can survive. And they spoke in whispers so not to upset us. But we knew that something was going on and that my father just might lose his job. So those people that are out there striking, they don't want to be out there. They're losing money. They're making $250 a week. No one can survive off of that. So I was always taught never across the picket line, even though as 64 years as a nurse, I don't have a union, but I respect what those people do. And 
they're not greedy. Like you said, if someone makes $2 million a year and they make 90000 there's such a wide gap in that. I just can't see where people can't open their eyes and say, give these people what they want. Mm. So, uh, Adrian, I, I, I would love to hear more about your memories of this as a child. Do you, do, do you, did you get the sense that... Uh, the labor actions your dad was a part of made things better. In other words, did, did conditions improve? Did pay improve? Was yeah, it worth and, it? If I may tell you, I remember my father breaking his fingers in a, in a press at work. He still had to come to work. He still had to come to work. So what type of corporation says, if you don't come to work, you'll lose your job. Mm. How can you go to work and your fingers are broken on your hands, but he still went to work with a cast on. And if it had not been for the unions fighting for him, he would have lost his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, I really appreciate the call uh, and the perspective and, of course, the memories. Uh, thanks very much for, for, for uh, calling us today. Um, let's go to Pete in Detroit. Pete, what's on your mind? Stephen, thanks for having this uh, topic today. Uh, I've been out on the line as a Teamster supporting auto workers three times in the last week. I'd certainly encourage you, Merrick, and other WDET folks to get out there and talk to folks that are on the line about what the real issues are. I see this as a result of the Great Recession. You know, the American taxpayer bailed out GM. Uh, Wall Street gained, Mary Barra gained, Main Street did not gain. Mm. These auto workers have not gained. We took concessions in that period in order to keep these corporations going, and now we're, we're fighting for what we are due. There's folks on the line that are making $15 an hour across the line from folks that are making $30 a line. That's just not fairness. That needs to be addressed. In general, as Merrick said, American workers have suffered over the last 40 years in terms of basically having in manufacturing and other similar industries, flat wages. Time is up. You know, I'm hoping for a sea change. I'm hoping that strikes do start the matter again and we start getting what we deserve. I'll be out there tomorrow when Bernie Sanders shows up at 1030 because Bernie Sanders is speaking to some of these issues. Hmm. I look forward to seeing other folks out there on the line. Hmm. Uh, Pete, I really appreciate the call uh, and the perspective there and and the, the idea that you know folks are, are joining UAW members on the line, even if it's not not their strike. That's that kind of uh, solidarity that I think is uh, very familiar to those of us who grew up uh, in union households uh, here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, Merrick Masters, uh, uh, talk about the, some of the things that Pete was mentioning there in terms of these huge pay gaps among workers. Uh, somebody making $15 an hour working across the line from somebody making 30 uh, that's been an issue for a long time. Is this strike going to narrow that gap? Is it is it possible? Well, I think it's going to be very difficult to get a tentative agreement if it does not in some way address those kinds of concerns. Um, you, you had the two-tier wage, which was addressed in 2015 by an eight-year in progression to the higher wage level. Um, that is a, uh, a relatively long-term solution to a key problem that you have workers doing the same job being paid unequal wages simply due to um, the fact that one was hired at a different date. Um, and then uh, you also have um, the use of temporary workers who seem to be treated almost like 
in permanent status as temporary workers and they don't get all the compliments, um, you know, in terms of profit sharing and benefits that uh, the so-called legacy workers do. But I think that, you know, when you, I, I think Pete is absolutely right, and both callers make very good points that this is, I think, sparking a discussion about the role of the middle class, the role of unions in society, and Bernie Sanders is one of the few presidential candidates who is really speaking directly to these issues mm-hmm. on a regular basis and has so consistently and has a, a major plan put forward to help grow unions in the United States. And I think that's an important discussion that we need to have because, um, as your first caller mentioned a lot of the protections that we take for granted in the workplace today were won by unions, and they were hard-fought battles um, by workers who made great sacrifices and called upon again during the Great Recession uh, when the companies were in bankruptcy. The workers once again came to the fore and made great sacrifices. And I think what they're saying is that you know, we, the taxpayers, help bail out General Motors. Uh, we help bail out, essentially help the shareholders. Uh, and uh, the workers make great sacrifices. And now when, you know, the rubber really hits the road and you're facing tough times, uh, the workers are once again seem to be getting the short end of the stick. And that doesn't seem fair. And I think that there's a great sense in this society as a whole that it is no longer one that treats people your typical worker fairly, and our whole definition of fairness seems to have changed, uh, which is not to the advantage of the worker. So I think these are important issues that we need to discuss. I think we need to discuss the role of um, inequality in society and income and wealth, the fact that when just a handful of people have so much of the nation's wealth, that is not a healthy position for any society to be in. Uh, And I think until we do something about that, we're going to continue to have deep divisions which are going to spill over into politics and social action and perhaps growth in the labor movement in the future. Uh, I also want to ask you about the unfolding scandal at the UAW, which uh, is snaring uh, ever more uh, people at very high levels. And what effect do you think that has a, on morale uh, for uh, the union members and on the, the, the sort of larger narrative about the role that unions play in assuring fairness? In, in well, I think that, you know, anytime you have people in positions of leadership to take advantage of those positions uh, to um, for their own personal gain, that is something that damages the reputation of organized labor and it sort of fits into the narrative of those hostile to labor that you have these union bosses who do nothing but um, make sweetheart deals with the companies and do whatever they can in positions of power to their personal financial advantage. Uh, to the extent that that uh, persists, that cloud hangs over the UAW, it makes it more difficult for that union and organized labor in general to accomplish its mission um, because every place they go to organize um, when they try and organize people are going to use this scandal against uh, the workers attempting to organize and say how can you possibly want our workers to join a union when you know what their leadership does whenever they get into power 
Uh, how can you trust a leadership like that? And so it really complicates it. It's it's a bad position for them to be in. And, you know, let's hope this strike in soon and that everybody can get a good contract and come back to work. Um, But that will not free the UAW of its problems. Uh, It still has ongoing investigations, uh, people, additional people that may be indicted, um, and until it is um, comes, you know, to fully address these, it, it's not off the hook by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, Merrick Masters, former director of labor at Wayne, at Wayne State University. It was really great to have you here with us on Detroit today. Thank you, and have a good day, sir. Yeah, you Take too. Take care. Bye. All right, up next, we're going to look at the history of racism in Canada made clear now by Justin Trudeau's trouble with a history of blackface. We're also going to talk about whether the apology that Trudeau issued was genuine or believable. Stay with us on Detroit Today.